because I compare it with the Mayweather and Pacquiao fight. They said it would never happen, but it happened. Italian BBC, Bonucci, Sazzardi, Chiellini, Reyes. They call themselves the inglorious bastards. <laughs> <laughs> The game is about right. results, right? None of this nerve right. nonsense sure. about expected goals. Welcome to the Final Tour Podcast. I'm Rob Canavan, joined by Connor Kelly. Hello. I'm Morris Brosnan of Balls.ie. How's the form, lads? Good. It's actually snowed. Yeah. It's been forecast since, what, late October? Has it? Yeah. But pretty much on and off since late you're October, like, since uh, it's going to snow. You're like the old woman in the shop talking <laughs> about the weather. <laughs> you no, know, it's just because it's one of those things where you kind of see it and you go, it won't, though. Uh, it definitely won't. Like, it's not sticking, by the way, for people you, who are listening out. Surefire, like, this is this is now a reflection on your character, Rob. Yeah, surefire. <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> surefire way to... Uh, now somebody is boring is when they bring up the weather. <laughs> the weather. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think snow is a pretty spectacular one, though. Like, yeah, for, fair enough for, like, rain and sun and stuff, but uh, like, snow here is pretty rare. pretty rare, unless you live on top of the Wakeland Mountains, maybe. Yeah. It's the only way I think... It, Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, because it's a little bit later in the week, we're not gonna we're not gonna discuss game by game. We will start as discussion points. Uh, we will start with the Liverpool City game, just because there's there's a lot around it uh, aside from the result. Um, because you're a guest, I'm gonna go to you first, Mars. What did you make of the Liverpool City game? Um, it was brilliant. It was like as this game tends to be, it was one of the most enjoyable games we're gonna watch this year. Um, kind of the primary takeaway that I had from the game, which is well, I. Caveat this first. I never, I hate this idea that you could blame it all on a goalkeeper. Like the, I think it might sometimes it might be a lazy excuse. But when I think the interesting game, the contrast this game too, and it, not only in terms of teams but style is the Spurs game when they bet them the four one last year. Kane was looking not to be sent off and they missed the penalty. It could have been five one because for two reasons. One is that there's the exact same City team bar Mangala start centre back instead of Stones who was injured at the time, but it's, otherwise it was the same four three three. And the other reason was that the primary way that Spurs played the same way as Liverpool, essentially, like they pressed really high, but the way that that was overcame time and time again was by Ederson pinging the ball to Sané, who was just, he destroyed Trippier that day. Like, I don't know if you remember, but it was, it was almost embarrassing that he was left on as long as he was. And if you look at the, now I know like there's a couple of different reasons that that didn't happen at the weekend. Like I, the Liverpool fullbacks pressed a lot higher. So you could see like Robinson was, besides Sterling the, for the whole game was eventually driving him so crazy that he lashed out and was taken off but I still think the 
Ederson's distribution, if you watch it, if you compare those two games, like the fact that he couldn't overcome that initial press. So initially, you look at when you know Fernandinho was coming for the ball, and he, that's the goal when he loses it for a, for Mane's goal, that incredible left foot strike. Fernandinho loses the ball; he's facing his goalkeeper, and it's because that Ederson can't ping a ball longer. And like it sounds like such a trivial thing, but a lot of people talk about the winds that was in the ground in the stadium. That he, that was a reason that Ederson wasn't you know firing the ball over the top. But I genuinely believe there might be something in that. That the idea that his distribution was it was like to overcome Liverpool's press because City tend to do this weird thing, especially off goal kicks, where they empty out their middle and they pull all their team like the length of the field. So if you want to press against them it's a full court press like your midfield is you're from the back up you're essentially in their half mm. and they leave so much space behind you if you want to do a full three press which is why Edison's distribution is so key to that because he can just ping it over the top to that and he couldn't do that uh, partly because of the fullbacks and partly because of the conditions and it really told they, they, they were really struggling to handle it from that game it seemed to mm. last a lot longer than you might have expected the press like it, at the start you kind of think it's not going to they're not going to be able to maintain it for as long mm. as they need to, but well, yeah, they seem fine with it. Well, yeah, they're coming off. They're coming off a big break, and they're on holiday in yeah. UAE or Dubai. Or yeah, they're, 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 warm winter so, training. So, like, ah, so yeah. it's that. I mean, that is a partly down to the reason that they were able to sustain it. But City, it, like, City played in midweek as well. I know it was probably like there was a lot of changes, but mm. they played in midweek as well. But uh, Javi, Javi uh, gave an interview last week. Uh, one of the most pompous things I've ever read in my life <laughs> uh, with Diego Torres. Right, but. Uh, there was a couple of like it was it was fascinating, but it was also just like an excuse for him to have a pop at Real Madrid every time. And every other club below. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> well, he was asked, "How would you stop a Guardiola team?" Okay, and he said, "Well, you have to do what they do. You have to take the ball off them. You have to press them high. You have to go for it." And this is basically what Klopp did. It was like he did he rolled the dice. He went exact did exactly what Xavi said. So maybe Xavi gave him. A, tactical insight in the week but he said that the best way to stop a Guardiola team is to starve them possession because if you don't if you sit back and allow them to have the ball eventually they'll yeah they'll take you apart this was kind of Klopp kind of alluded to a pre-game as well he kind of said that we know what they do it's all set patterns it's just the case that every position that they're in has a world-class player so they can still execute it really well even though you know what they're going to do well, that, yeah I mean this wasn't a systems failure by City by no, no such much it was individual flaws it was like I'm not again I hate that thing to do it but like you might be able to pin two of the goals on Ederson definitely the clearance was poor mm. and also I think for Firmino's to be lobbed from there I think he might have done better and uh, John Stones John Stones has reverted that, yeah. to his uh, Roberto yeah, Martin yeah, yeah, Everton yeah. days in Precisely, the last three games like, whatever about like you can't compensate for that the no system is going to compensate for yeah. it to be like a small nudge and he goes flying That's mm. there's no way you can compensate that you can't compensate for Fernandinho to give a ball away where he did it was just so Hmm. No, but blatantly poor. Like th- these weren't like Guardiola wasn't found out here. These were just. Like, oh no, I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't I, mean I that. I fully no. expect within twelve months, Fernandinho will no longer be in that team. I think he's going to sign a to- like maybe a Thiago or yeah. somebody like Casemiro at Madrid or <laughs> like I think a player who can def- who can like essentially a copy of Busquets, somebody who can play as a defensive mid, but also is very good in the ball, better than Fernandinho's ball. Not to say he hasn't been good this year. Yeah, but I fully expect he will. And then. That cancels out that kind of mistake in the, in the central role there. I think he's going to buy another striker, which means that he would be able to bring on somebody kind of earlier. That like missing David Silva was massive; like, mm. it was huge. So I I don't think like, that was. I mean, it was these individual mistakes that you can't really like. No system in the world is going to yeah. compensate for them. They just they kind of all came at once as well, didn't they? Really, yeah. they all came in the game. This was pointed out after by uh, Super Executive Club Manager Steve McGovern. He was kind of saying, if you're going to make all those mistakes as a goalkeeper. You're Make happy they come game. in one game. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's just the three yeah, points. He was fat, like he, yeah, his clear, so. especially just before half time, he, he was really poor under the high ball. He, he was flapping at it and 
then like, as I said the clearance for the I mean the to be, uh, there's something really nice about seeing a keeper loved from out like that it just yeah. it's, it's such a really satisfying goal but again you should do should be better, better yeah. and it's on his bad foot as well which you, you Guardiola was Guardiola was good afterwards he, <clears throat> he basically said that like, well he, he did say he has said for weeks that they will lose a game at some point mm. so he was proven right on that but he did say that uh, he said his team needed to experience a defeat kind of to know that you're not invincible like yeah. you're, it's a good time to lose I think yeah, Champions League hasn't come back yeah. I fully expect they'll rebound from this in spectacular fashion mm. as they have all season like, 100%, yeah. it is, if, if anything this is probably a bit of a kick up the backside just to refocus um, before the big games coming up yeah. I still think like yeah I, <laughs> my biggest takeaway from this game apart from like you know the individual errors was that Aguero is, is finished at the top level like he's not really yeah He's just, he's just not in a Guardiola team I don't think he's yeah. able to play in a big game like this at the intensity at the speed that was played at he was bypassed for the entire game he didn't hold the ball up he didn't link with any of the players around him he ran into channels that he shouldn't have ran into he just I thought he was really poor I think it's a similar problem with again what we're talking about with Fernandinho is that I mean what Pep expects of you is that you're good on both sides of the ball so that offensively if you can operate but also you know with your press and I think Aguero tends to he from the way especially this year he does one or the other but he, yeah. he finds it really difficult to manage both and I th- like as you said I think ultimately that's gonna you know prove to be his downfall mm. it has his future's pretty much been kind of uh, under a shadow since this season kind of kicked off I think he has been decent this year and yeah, apparently oh, yeah. because of the team that's around him like I think he's, he's a very good player but I just think that's it's the same thing with Pep Consley like he demands so much of players mm. that like it's this that's why it's this nonsense where you say no, oh, he just buys in pairs. It's because he fits. You have to be a world class player to fit into a Pep Guardiola system. It's just the way it is. Just finally on City, we were sort of discussing this after the game. Um, there was a little bit of disagreement, I guess, on it as well. I just want to see what you think of Morris. With do you think that City are possibly a little bit light in certain positions? I know some people will sort of be listening to it and thinking, "Are you for real with the amount of money that they spent, etc." But do you think that the squad sort of has a few areas in it that are? are a little bit weak considering how many fronts they seem to want to compete on rather than just the league, say? But for that to be the case, like, for the way that they're playing football, it's unprecedented to see a team do this in the Premier League. And so you would need to have a squad of players capable of doing that, which is n- nearly impossible. Mm. So Guardiola can't compensate for the fact that he doesn't have a huge amount of world-class players, yeah. which is why he uses a limited circle of players, because they're capable of doing precisely what he wants them to do. So it's not... like. He's not going to go out and buy two first 11s, which you would have to do in order for his system to work, yeah. essentially. So instead, he, he does what he does. And like it, it's still going to be phenomenally successful, but mm-hmm. I, I, don't think, I don't think he would ever have a squad that would satisfy his game plan. Like to, every area covered. Yeah, and, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, okay. I, I just I think the way it is right now, and even the players that do fill in, like he still has embarrassing talent on the bench. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, for Liverpool then, it was kind of nice to see Klopp again it's been a while since we've sort of seen him in that kind of jovial form after a game did you see his NBC interview I did see it yeah clearly clearly loved every bit of it but thoroughly deserved for, yeah. the, for the approach and for the sort of the nice to see him taking a break from shouting at uh, assistant referees <laughs> I knew that was going to come in <laughs> sorry I'm just um, repeating what I said in the WhatsApp group so, so all the listeners don't get to miss out on any of the glory that's yeah, in the final yeah, period the scenes, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of it, like I've seen a lot of people point out after that it's kind of this is the kind of the I don't know how you describe it. It's like the the ultimate of the Klopp approach. Like that sort of they almost didn't win. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like a, it also is also the most. This is the most Dortmund performance. Yeah. of yeah. Klopp's Liverpool. Style. It reminded me of the Champions League run. Yeah, because sort of the games against Malaga and the like. Yeah, because it's it's different. Yeah, because this wasn't like <laughs> this showed why Liverpool will be fine in big games, but why I still have question marks over them against smaller teams without mm. Coutinho because 
it's this approach works great when you have a side like City who will like literally come onto you and attack you and try and play out. But like when they play against regressive, peerless ball style teams, will they have like the kind of creativity and cleverness to break these sides down without Coutinho? Yeah, which is like still like they they may very well do. Yeah, I, th- like, I think Oxley Chamberlain's like clearly developing, but he's not mm. Coutinho. I th- I think they're I think they're a really good side at the moment. I really do. Um, I do. I think there's still the question marks defensively. Um, they still have the yeah, the goalkeeper. But then again, like, like Van Dijk didn't play, so hmm. you know it's. Um, well, Van Dijk is like Van Dijk. Van Dijk, no, Van Dijk can help them, but like yeah, he, he can't stop shots. You know, every shot that goes on target <laughs> going in the net. Like, True enough, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just I I'm looking. I had a look at the league table after the game, and I kind of thought like I, I knew United would beat Stoke, so that that would put them slightly ahead. But they're in a really good position in the league. Like something that. They kind of haven't been possibly since Rogers hmm. kind of had a shot at the title with Suarez. Do you think? Do you mean do you mean Suarez with Rogers piggybacking on it? That was yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched a few games on the sort of the Premier League goalies again. He was incredible. I like, kind of forgotten a little bit of Suarez at Liverpool. Like he's just ridiculous. But yeah, they're 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 riding good at the moment. Uh, we'll move on then to the Sanchez transfer, which isn't actually it isn't actually done yet as far as I know. Uh, yeah, well, I put this on the running order of, like, I put this on the running order uh, because I assumed it was done. Um, yeah. But then this is like the this is one of those never ending transfer sagas that just seems to drag on. There's um, a lot going on. It was yeah. greed in the summer, wasn't it, Morris? Well, I mean, it's like the, like the I especially because since you know I started working in online media, you get so weary of these constant like transfer sagas that they really do kind of like eventually kind of get tedious and repetitive. But the Sanchez one is just is going to be even more like. For all we know, this might be done tomorrow, but the reason it's going to be so complicated now is because this like fact that we already know how difficult it's been to agree a fee with this player, and then the fact that he's got a super agent who's also demanding a big fee, which City are allegedly not going to pay. Yeah. What that, and then on top of that, you're going to add this idea that there's going to be a player swap as well, that Mkhitaryan is going to be involved in this deal, and so now you have to agree a fee with an agent, a fee with a player, a fee with a club, and then a fee with another player who also has a super agent. So all of a sudden, you've got. <laughs> To, oh yeah to try and <laughs> I forgot yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean this is don't don't let you don't let you don't forget Rob that uh, Mina Ayala tells you that Mkhitaryan is the is the key in this thing he's yeah, the, it's, it's his transfer yeah. not Sanchez's transfer the, the biggest thing like, I think the biggest tell about this was that Ayala <laughs> did an interview today in the Times where he explicitly said Mkhitaryan is part of this deal and what he's saying there is I'm part of this deal mm. like I'm I, so satisfy me here Riola literally thinks he's the most important exactly well, he's yeah. certainly got a few clubs interested yeah. anyway at this moment in time yeah. it's, a, it's a crazy one I thought I thought it was done and dusted and I've heard um, like the, yeah I've heard like Mkhitaryan wants Mkhitaryan supposedly wants to go back to Dortmund doesn't want to go to Arsenal whereas which is just the ultimate slap yeah face, whereas so. Arsenal yeah. won't sell Arsenal don't want to sell Sanchez unless they get Mkhitaryan in return mm. um, Sanchez wants to go to United now but then Chelsea is supposedly in as well which I don't like I don't really buy the Chelsea interest to be honest I think that's a smoke screen yeah I think it's a smoke screen to uh to push under the carpet like Chelsea's inept transfer yeah. dealings over the last while not with the wages that have been thrown yeah around. exactly that's the thing that like the wages sense. like well we're, we're, you hear like figures like 350 grand a week have been thrown mm. around like he'd be the fourth highest paid player in world football um after the big three like so like I think for Sanchez, I think going to United over City makes more sense. I know City have pulled out now, but I think it works for him better. Even though he clearly wanted to play on the Guardiola again, I don't think he suits the Guardiola team. Like he 
didn't work at Barcelona under Guardiola mm. because whereas at United it'll be, he'd be perfect because it'll just be Mourinho will be just like yeah you go you go and win us the match right you you go out and do your thing I'll focus on the defence and if you don't score 20 goals you'll be out at the end of the season yeah no I agree I, th- I think I think he's better suited at United I think this, the, it was a game Balagay said the whole money money or pep thing mm. I think it was a little bit unfair uh, well I think he clearly games. wants to, to play under pep again but now that City aren't involved I think like I think United works better for him um, from my perspective mm. yeah. I think Mars? it's telling that in all these like people who have a lot better sources than any of us do that are reporting that of the city representatives that were okay with them put on the deal Pep was involved in those discussions like Guardiola like okayed it and the, the fact is that he's looking at the embarrassment riches he has in terms of Sané, Aguero, Silva, Sanchez on top of that probably isn't going to be as pivotal whereas with United he'd be given free reign like it could well have happened that he'd gone to City and be shoved out on the left yeah. kind of in a sterling road the way he was with Barca whereas with United he'll surely be able to play through the centre it looks like what that means then is that Pogba's going to have to withdraw back out the pitch again and he'll probably be playing in behind Lukaku so I think he'll be given more free reign and there'll be less kind of like he himself won't be given tactical instruction for want of a better yeah, yeah that's know? it I, yeah. I do i think that's a really good point i think yeah. that, that 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 sort of freedom is something that he'll enjoy better yeah. he's he we've seen that at arsenal like i don't i don't necessarily blame him for what's gone down at arsenal i think there's two sides to it but he's a little bit a little bit more emotional because he tends to sort of throw little straps on the pitch and stuff and that's not really something that he i don't think he'd be allowed to but, do at city but any player is going to be better you know if you compare like playing with pogba martial and rashford lukaku as opposed to playing with ramsey awobi walcott you maitland know, the, niles the, 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 He's gonna be, like, yeah. But he has, uh, he has the greatest midfield talent in the world, Jack Wilshere, behind him. Jesus. Who, who, who could play in any team in the world according to Gary Neville? Contract in six months. Yeah. Who, who could play? Oh, yeah. Who could play in any team in the world according to Gary Neville? Like, what the fuck has yeah. happened, to Gary Neville, since he's come back from Valencia? Like, he was a brilliant pundit, like he, no, a game-changing not. pundit, and now he's horrendous. He comes out with such proper football man opinions. Faded changes yeah. it, man, yeah. I guess. But yeah, no, the Sanchez one is interesting to watch. Um, I suppose th- it's sort of indicative of wider problems at Arsenal, just to sort of flesh that out. If you're Sanchez, why would you stay at a club that's a sinking ship? Like, I think it was, I'm not sure who I said last week, but I think it was Andrew Mangan from Arsblog by the point that Arsenal are actually worse than at this point than when Wenger took over, which is staggering considering like what he achieved in between that spell like in between those 20 years or whatever they're actually worse than they were when he took over and so, they're going backwards like even the weekend like against Bournemouth they were abysmal like Bournemouth have won one game in 12 and they didn't even play that well but they won because Arsenal self imploded it's, it's sort of indicative of where the club are at the moment isn't it really there yeah, I mean well I, like they've made some they brought in this director of football who's not allowed to call himself director of football <laughs> yeah. because there. they have a the, <laughs> Uh, Chief Scout who yeah. is like comes highly rated like I think they're building a system in and around him the problem is that the main obstacle to the club right now is their manager yeah. that, like, ultimately they're going to have to fail him out which I reckon he's gone at the end of the season he has to be surely like this they can't continue on in this manner like if like Sanchez Sanchez is going Ozil will go uh, who's next Bellerin Bellerin's the next best player left after that and he'll be gone whenever a bid comes in and then you're just thinking like where are Arsenal then like we actually, on the Sanchez thing, we had some uh, interaction from a listener, James Anthony Cooney, who asked us, uh, he said he'd ask, also ask why Serie A wasn't mentioned for Sanchez and his move, sort of uh, the whole thing around it. 
I think the main obstacle there is 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 the the uh, age of Sanchez and the wages that they're looking wages, for. No, yeah. no, be very difficult for any what, club in Italy to just outside of that. maybe Juventus, but no yeah. club is going to pay, and even Juventus aren't going to pay the no. fee. No, like, Juventus no. are Juventus like, are too smart to pay the. Yeah. The idea that they would like tolerate this agent, you know, hanging above their heads, there's absolutely no way. There's yeah. The, the, you can't go to Italy. It, it is a huge as you said it, the agent's fee in this in the Sanchez instance, I'm not sure about the Mkhitaryan one, it I think it essentially adds ten million to his price. Like, so it would be thirty five yeah. million, say, for a twenty nine year old plus three fifty K a week, which you're not you're just not gonna get in Italy. It doesn't make like the so we've seen that Juve will sign older players if it makes sense. So like Matuidi coming from PSG, Pure it lot. makes sense. But Matuidi's not earning three fifty K a week. Like that's what it is. Apparently apparently they're interested in Mesut Ozil as well, but like Ozil's gonna choose United because he get a massive signing on fee that you aren't willing to pay him. Yeah, I sp- it is a higher standard as well. Mm. Like playing for United is a higher standard week in week out than playing for for Juventus as well as the money and as well as everything else. I think it makes mm. yeah, you say that. Is, like it, you say that, but like, Juventus a, are a massive club as well. Yeah, and I don't, yeah, but I don't I, I don't think they're on the scale of United by any like I can't believe I'm saying this, but <laughs> like I don't know, like worldwide they, pound yeah, to pound. In, you in know. terms of like in terms of worldwide. Uh, Worldwide name recognition, no. But in terms of success, they've won more league titles. They've won the same number. No, they're sorry. They've won two European Cups. Which mm. United have won three. So in terms of stature as a club, like in terms of what they've won and their history, like they're pretty comparable. Yeah. And if you're also then you're looking at how Juan Cuadrado, Huguin have got on at Juventus compared to the fates of Mata or Mkhitaryan. <laughs> yeah. Like the the idea of being a number ten at United is not an attractive position. Well, they love wingers. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's and he's also there's also a little German contingent building at UVA like there's um, yeah. Sammy Kadira uh, Emery Chan has supposedly agreed to sign way, yeah. so I don't know I suppose maybe it could just be the signing on fee then I, yeah. I just thought I, I'm not, that's exactly what it is let's yeah. yeah. not beat around the bush here Rob I don't know I mean it's it's the same country he, know, he knows the country you know uh, no um I don't, I don't know. I, I think personally, I would I would choose it. The, there's a second part to his question actually as well. He's talking about Raja to China, asking whether it's worth it. This is this is Raja Nangalan, yeah. I presume. Being completely honest, I haven't heard anything about. It. Have you heard anything about this uh, Chinese move for for Nangalan from Roma? Mm, um, the only thing no. I'd say, just off the top of my head, is that it happened with Jovino. The club got sick money and they didn't. If if, if Roma yeah. so. get if Roma get good money for him, um, it probably works out to their benefit because mm. it doesn't mean it just means he isn't going to Juve if they're going to buy into the whole Manchi thing this was like getting them from Sevilla etc it makes mm. sense to sell if the money's right and if it's China I'm just presuming off the top of my head that it is right well, like Chelsea so. Chelsea the Chelsea's transfer business has been completely inadequate over the last couple of years and one of the best the, the best thing they did was the money they got for Oscar and Offer Ramirez and which was that again? they got about 60 million I remember it being crazy yeah. yeah so they basically tripled the value of what they paid for Oscar and originally like so there is a, if there's money in if there's still the same amount of money in the Chinese market which I assume there is yeah they might they'd be mad not to accept it for uh, a 29 year old the next topic on our list of randomly assorted things is Stoke who spent weeks kind of mulling over who they're going to replace after get finally getting rid of Mark Hughes I say finally yeah um and they went with uh, Paul Lambert yeah will I read out a, a an, an extract from the club statement yeah go on but Paul has been successful at clubs with a strong and stable background. Yeah, I can't believe they the used Britain, that phrase. The Britain first <laughs> approach. I genuinely the, yeah, cannot believe. The Britain the first approach to football. You've got to speak to the fan base. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, so <laughs> they've just... What a... Yeah, what a random appointment. I love how Paul Lambert's also undergone... Well, I think he did this after Villa, but he underwent a, uh, a makeover. He lost weight. Mm. Stopped wearing the, the glasses. Kind of started shaving again. Made himself look smarter. 
lost a few pounds I'm that. aware of how open to ridicule this makes me I think it's a good appointment I, he's, he's, he's had six jobs he's had one bad job out of six <laughs> the job he did at, like firstly Norwich we should all be familiar with that because the best Wes has ever been was under Paul Lambert mm. when he's playing off um the big Grant Holt up front <laughs> <laughs> is like, Grant Holt the man was, who thought he should play for England that was he got back to back promotions with that team like that, and that was a team that their last game before Lambert took over was I think it was an 8-1 loss this was in Green Shoots the Michael Walker book was in an 8-1 loss against Colchester who Lambert was managing so he took over he hammered them 8-1 took the job got them promoted got them promoted again into, into Premier then like Villa was a shit show like, the, yeah. to go there the club it was the only thing he could have done worse was to take a job at Sunderland. Like it was just a mm. bad place to go. But after that, he went to Wolves, who were a sinking ship, and stabled them. And they're, I think he finished fifteenth. Then left when they decided to go full Jorge Mendes. <laughs> then went to Blackburn, who were again were a total sinking ship. Like that was what he was coming off there. The training was stable that ship, kept them up, and left there. And now he's going to Stoke. Mm. Like all, it, what he needs to do, he's got a good goalkeeper and Stoke in typically unstoke fashion are leaking goals all he needs to do is stable the ship and I think he's capable of doing that like and is, is that the appointment then is it, it's a it's a kind of a let's see where we are in the summer or do you I, think they've brought Lambert in and said this guy could be like Mark Hughes like, what was he four it, four and a half years in the job it takes stock in six months but I, yeah. I reckon that of all the people available to do it I think he could like definitely save them like, yeah. they're, I think they're approaching one of the favourites to go down now I, I don't I genuinely think Lambert of, of anyone could keep him up. Some, uh, some bookies have already paid out. That's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. It's not. A, it's like not an indicator by any means, but because there's a lot of football to play. But I, I think that like that kind of sneer is it's a bit like availability bias that like when he took over Villa and like that was a Villa he got slated because he wasn't get the most out of Benteke, like, who I think if you were to look at that now, yeah, probably wasn't the worst thing. <laughs> he also got slated because he was told he had the best attack in the world. One of whom was Gabby Bangalore. Like I, I, if you think. If you look at, I think there might be a bit of revisionism with that Villa role, especially like if you look at them now under Steve Bruce. They have, I don't think this is an argument. I think it's a fact. The squad now is better than the squad that was in the Premier League then. Yeah, but so, there's more money. Yeah, being put in. So I, I, I do think that this kind of, you, if you take out the Villa reign, his role at Colchester, his run at Wolves, Blackburn, at Norwich. I think he was actually a decent coach and. And he's not given, you know, his mantra isn't to, like, right now he can go back to, he can re- revise Pewter Stoke. All he needs to do is keep them up for six months. I think he's well capable of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of, I do agree uh, as well, because I think, yeah, there is a lot of revisionism around that Phyllis Bell. Um, he did inherit a club that were just going backwards. Yeah. Um, and it's also a club with, again, it's one of those clubs which just, completely inflated expectations of what they should be achieving based off of history it is a big ass stadium though Villa yeah. Park I mean I remember I went to Fulham away there the season that we tragically went down um, but I remember walking up to it and just go oh fuck yeah they are a big club <laughs> it's massive like it's, yeah. well, it's 35,000 seater but it's like but it's bigger than Craven Cottage let's put it that way yeah. it was a that was a fucking pissing contest I lost but, uh, yeah it, it's, it's a big club they do have inflated sort of Ideas like even when you talk to weirdly like Irish Villa fans, they seem to think that hmm. Villa are like Everton. You see, yeah, like you know that the, kind of way. Perhaps historically, but even I suppose in the nineties they were still like in and around like the top five, top mm. six teams. Like in fact, even under O'Neill they were yeah. a top sixteen. Yeah, that's no. There's revisionism. Because yeah. I've seen someone arguing the case now. We'll, we'll come on to O'Neill in a second, but that you know, like he he's a shit manager, etc. And someone went back and was like, but "What about Villa? Yeah, like, did a really good job there." And Celtic. What, what do you make of the process, Mars? Then where uh, the three guys sort of tell with the job. Lambert wasn't really, but he came in. and He has the job now, so we'll include him. Martin O'Neill and then Kike Sanchez Flores. What, what does that really say about? Like what the club were looking for. Well, it's just three I completely. I think it was probably Guy Rowlett until he signed the contract with Derby. But I think that was 
which, uh, which I think is the most damning indictment that he looked at that job and said no, I'm going to stay with Derby thanks in the championship who are seventh and have like, struggled to get out yeah, like, so repeatedly. I think that that was a, a kind of a slap in the face even the yeah. fact that Flores and Espanol is saying no you're alright mm-hmm. so like I don't think the Stoke fans went into you know they were going chaotic about this idea that they were going to have Lambert if you look at the replies on Twitter like there, it was total pandemonium like who else were you going to get yeah and, like to give him credit, Hugh said, "Who else is going to do it?" And he was right. Like that mm. was like the, the in terms of options, it was like, ultimately. I think it came down to O'Neill also turned it down because partly due to the fact that he was third choice and it was a short term contract. So this, yeah, it's kind of offensive. On a related note, that, those people who respond to official club Twitter accounts are odd, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> they are oddballs. You can you can go down a wormhole there if you, yeah, if you look yeah, into yeah. it. I mean, it can be yeah. yeah you can you can experience. be like you can be like twenty tweets deep on um, responses to some of the major clubs, and it's people arguing over like you know it's people arguing over like memes and stuff like that. You're like, this yeah. is just ridiculous. Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, O'Neill. Like, how does like how does O'Neill come back now to Ireland after? Basically whoring himself out to whatever Premier League club would take him over the last three months, um, and just stepping back in as if it's normal after a five-one defeat in the playoffs yeah. against Denmark. I think the I think the Denmark games might have changed his perception because he seemed sort of like adamant that regardless of what happened in the playoffs, it was a bonus to be there and he was going to stay on. But I mean, it hasn't really. I I don't really care that he was looking at Premier League jobs. To be honest with you, I always expect nowadays that international managers will kind of be looking like that and saying oh, I miss the regular football but but that's not the that's not the issue I have the issue I have is like the, the stories emanating out of like journalists who are close to O'Neill like this one like Luke Edwards I think we wrote Telegraph yeah, he's very close to O'Neill and Northern Correspondent yeah, yeah wrote, wrote a piece about like how O'Neill was shocked by the reaction in Ireland to the defeat like, mate you really? lost 5-1 at home yeah. so to put that in context right like O'Neill throughout his I, I don't want to launch a massive defence of O'Neill I in my own opinion, the worst hand of all this the FBI. For them to let this contract yeah. target, to yeah, re- sure. release a Twitter video announcing a contract that wasn't ever signed, like, you know, Schrodinger's box, like, is a contract signed if it doesn't even exist? Mm. Like, they're, I think, the worst offenders here. But, to put that in context, O'Neill, so, Edward said a story that uh, O'Neill was, so, a very well-sourced journalist had a story that O'Neill, or that thought, he was shocked at the response to that treatment. And that, this is a, the team throughout O'Neill's reign. When he was 20 years old, he wrote to the local paper after the question was he an intelligent footballer under cloth and told him, I'll have a lot of you, I'll have you know. Like this kind of thing. Mm. And that goes back, he was at, there's a passage in, there's a biography of O'Neill that was written. Now this, it only comes up as far as his reign with Leicester, so you don't read, with Celtic, sorry, so you don't get Villa, or you, obviously you don't get Ireland or Sunderland. Mm. But it's, it, it's very good, it's by the chairman of the Football Association at the time. It's actually a very good kind of snapshot of the manager. And there was a phase when he was manager of Celtic and they're invited away on a UEFA Cup trip. So he goes away with the squad and his relationship with the press is awful. It's really, really bad because they're questioning his style of play. So he organises a press versus managers game in a bid to try and mull over the relationship. And the first day they go and the press kind of don't really enjoy it. Like they, the coaches win like 13-1. The press are kind of dismissive. They're saying O'Neill has taken massive pleasure in this. The fact that he's, you know, he's rambling goals and he's running rings around them. And he says, come on, we'll do it again tomorrow. We'll do it again to so the press at the end. And so this guy is chairman of the football station. He's a well-sourced journalist. And this is his story. And the next day, the press turn up and say, okay, we're going to play seven aside this time because of how bad yesterday was. And O'Neill says, fine. And then 
five minutes in, he points over and says, who's this guy? And they say, oh, he's a, they're in Croatia. He's a Croatian stringer. We didn't have enough numbers, so we said we'd invite him. And he's like, no, nah, he's not playing. He's, get him off. He's not allowed to play. It's only the press. But this is a, this is a press press manager, supposedly to mend the ratio. So your man leaves. And then one of the other journalists notices and says, by the way, you have an extra player. And O'Neill loses it, absolutely loses the plot. And so I have the passage here of, from the book. And so he, th- like this is the journal, so a well-sourced journalist. And he says, it was an unlikely experience for the entire pack. They saw O'Neill, the bully, the control freak, the man who must be obeyed, the man who must win at all costs. And that was in a, a bid to try and mend his relationship with the press. <laughs> this is the man we're talking about here. And th- on the other side of that, like whatever about his touch relationship with the press, there's you know massive glowing indictments of him as the you know the vibe that he gives off. Yeah. So Ian Sylvester, who was the club secretary when he was at Leicester, said that he used to regularly when he find players for misbehaving, he used to regularly walk over and give it to the lunch lady or give it to the cleaner. That they had a coach driver who obviously was belonged to a coach company who had a heart attack, and next week the board are looking through their wage bill and see an additional name like who is this guy and they go to O'Neill and he's like oh he's our second kit man and then they find out that O'Neill went to the squad and explained the situation and they all decide they're going to pay for this guy's wages because he just had a heart attack and they wanted to give him an easier job so he turns out he's the kit man for Leicester like I was over in I was over with the Irish lads over in Preston for work and I spoke to Daryl Horgan and there seems to be a genuine really good vibe within that camp like after they were playing Nottingham Forest and after the game the Darren Murphy was obviously in the squad as well was hanging around with the rest of the Irish lads with Horgan who they knew from the camp and yeah. like whatever about his style of football Horgan was kind of glowing about just the vibe within the camp which is obviously instilled by O'Neill so like in, in a way I kind of look at him like O'Neill comes back in it's a very easy job to qualify for the next Euros because of this expanded tournament sure so, yeah and if he, if he like he's the he lives and dies by a sword that's what he does he's a moments manager so his last reign was a failure because they're bad to watch but before that, he did his job. Like he got us to the Euros. So I kind of reckon, like, what harm if he comes back in and we qualify for the Euros? Yeah, I, I don't know how much like the the public opinion matters when it comes to the Irish manager. I think it matters when it comes to hiring but, the Irish manager. Speaking about availability bias, like we are the worst for it. I mean, after we went into pandemonium about the Denmark because we were embarrassed. I mm, mean, that, like, yeah. the, and you know, probably rightly, he was criticised. Which is, I mean, I'm sorry, like O'Neill, but you're open to criticism the same way we all are. Like that's just a fact of the job yeah so and it's I think he's kind of he's not helping his relationship like to turn up at the press event last week he turned up at the writers association and wouldn't speak to the press he was their guest I mean it's, it's not really I think he's very prickly yeah, yeah he's he very prickly <laughs> an event by the way that he won the quiz his table him and Roy Keane like no wonder he's so disdained for the media when <laughs> these plebs that bowed to his appearance what did they know about the game yeah, exactly <laughs> oh. oh dear oh, yeah. it'll be interesting to watch how this happens because um, I'd completely forgotten about the contract thing I remember it being released so I had assumed that he'd signed on but Clearly, this is all still up in the air. Speaking of contracts and speaking of international management, Wales have announced uh, that they've yeah. fired Ryan Gates. <laughs> After uh, in a strange leak that was added on that Craig Bellamy gave a, a really strong interview. Hmm. But he didn't get the job. Yeah. Well, Craig's only a young lad, isn't he? Uh, got to give it to yeah. got to give to Giggsy until the end of. I mean, I know. The Euros. I know this was this has been a good, this has been a good uh, sort of uh, source for jokes for a long time. This give it Giggsy thing. But I can't believe they've given him the job. It's incredible, especially with what they've built on in the last yeah. few years. First with speed, and then yeah. I don't, the I don't know. Have either of you heard the 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 clip? The team talk. The yeah. team talk. Well, oh, have you heard this, Rob? No. Okay. Well, I have the clip here, and I'll play it for you. Um. So. Right. Okay. We'll yeah. we'll pause for one second, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll listen to this clip. 
Our team today are going to have to work hard because these work the bollocks off and they're good at home. But the team that we've got, we've got experience, we've got pace, we've got players who can, who are comfortable on the ball. They do die at the end. So, subs, you might, you might come on and win the game. So concentrate, watch the game. But it's the last game of the season. We want to end on a high. We want to give our fans something to shout about. Fucking City or Liverpool are going to win the league. Um, give our fans something to shout about. It's been a frustrating season, but it's a good game to play in and, and one that I'm looking forward to because of the exciting players that we've got on the pitch. Okay? As you can tell, um, you know, he's an inspiring man. Yeah, wow. Jesus. <laughs> Would you not want to go out and play for that man in that, in that Manchester United shirt? It's pretty grim. I suppose uh, to play devil's advocate, it is the last game of the season. So it's also his last chance to make an impression on the players. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, I cannot, yeah, as, as Boris just said there, I cannot believe he allowed that to yeah. go in. Uh, and that's the speaking of O'Neill like whatever about O'Neill being a motivator can you like that's what international management is largely about <laughs> yeah. that's that's what that man is hired yeah. to do like, that and experience I think yeah. as well which is a big thing that he's people buy into he's been exposed to Alex Ferguson for the majority of his life yeah. and he can't put together string together a proper speech like granted some people aren't great in front of but uh, in a public setting yeah. in front of people but like come on like what else is he bringing to the table if he's not able to motivate yeah. pl- players based on what, what I really don't get is why he's so set or appears to be so set on management. I mean, mm-hmm. I was at a meeting last night for my GAC club and we were talking about the mini leagues, like coach mini leagues. And one of the guys was saying that there's loads of senior players that uh, run away when the head of youth comes near him because he knows he's going to ask them to, to coach. So they just leg it. They don't want to do it at all. So it's not it's not something that you can be suited to. You know what I mean? What, why is he so intent on doing it? I reckon, like... I mean, he'd be got off a pundit too. Yeah. And you know? I, I mean, to be honest... Like, this is the same again I, I kind of repeat myself here but his job isn't that hard like getting into the 2020 like he's got to the Nations League in September and then next like the draw for the Euros isn't until December so he's got a year mm-hmm. of, in a cushy job which a good side qualify for Euros which he probably will do because it's an expanded tournament and then he can say I qualified Wales for a major tournament and yeah. it looks you know, semi-decent on a CV yeah, and they also have, like, unlike us, they have, like, kind of a set playing model in place. So it's not as if he's taken over a directionless team. Yeah. I, don't know if it's, yeah. I don't know if that's, like, institution-wide, though, or if it's just the senior team that do that. But still, like... Because like, it was a model put in place and they follow It's largely it. going to be the same squad. Yeah, and he yeah. can be a short-term manager. He can do it for two years if he wants to. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I just... I just don't... I don't get where he goes with this. Like, even if he does qualify, like... Well, what's he going to get? Wales fans seem to be really pleased when uh, Middlesbrough took Pulis off the market, so it, it does show you to be careful what you wish. Yeah, for, like, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, well, yeah, like, I could think. Um, yeah, but, but if he qualifies for a major tournament, he gets a Premier League job. He do, eventually. Uh, do you think? I, I think. Oh, oh yeah. I think oh, definitely. I think a West Brom losing man yeah. half a season is like a, a couple of decent easy, games on live TV for with Wales at Euro twenty twenty, and suppose he does. Yeah, he does have life. Name. He does have name recognition. Yes, yeah, that's, exactly. That's what it'll take. He's a he's a British coach. Trust me, come halfway through the season, when yeah. inevitably, you know, the sets get itchy fingers, hmm. gigs will get a job. If, yeah. if this goes any way decent, he gets a job. I did love the uh, the joke that was doing rounds, um, asking whether or not, like, you know, Jason Kumas would be in charge for the friendlies when gigs <laughs> doesn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh dear. Um, the next talk point we have is the problems at Chelsea. Connor, this is something that you've alluded to a good few times, uh, even in this show, about the sort of the the, the transfer strategy, um, which seems to be at the centre of of. Uh, I mean, Chelsea sort of been like a a toxic club. I think was how Rory Smith put it. Um, but it's a uh, it's a it's, it's sort of seems to have spiked uh, under Antonio Conte, and it's sort of leading to what we think is him leaving in the summer. Yeah, well, seems like, to be. This is like Chelsea's. Well, and say problems relatively speaking they're not huge problems by comparison to what other clubs are suffering but like the way the momentum of this season at the moment the way the momentum of this season is going at the moment it would not surprise me in the slightest if Chelsea didn't finish in the top four with the way Liverpool are playing mm. the kind of security United already have in their position the way Spurs are playing particularly Harry Kane is playing it would not surprise me and with the way Chelsea are playing it would not surprise me if Chelsea missed out because there's a, there's a twofold problem. Firstly, I don't think Conte's helped himself with the system. Like he's changed. Last season he had like so much success with the three four two one formation. This season he's changed to a three five one one with Morata up front playing off Hazard or Hazard playing off Morata, which works for nobody. Like it doesn't work for the midfield. It doesn't work for Hazard because he's marked double marked every game. There's no space for him and it's just way too defensive and there's too much emphasis on Hazard to provide something brilliant whereas last season they had like the wingbacks forward they had Pedro or Willian inside or maybe Hazard like mm. inside playing off the striker um, and then you've got Morata who like reminds me of Fernando Torres and not the good Fernando yeah. Torres at Liverpool he's just like he's, he's a basket case in front of the goal yeah. but um, that's one problem but then the other the major problem is just recruitment like like Chelsea are a club who see themselves as competing with the very best in Europe, yet they're signing like second right players. They signed So the only good the only like big money signings they made were essentially just replacements for players who were sold. So Bakayoko came in for Matic, Murata came in for Costa, um by by Rudiger came in for for Terry. So like that's those three are the major signings of the summer. And then the rest, like, squad players like Barkley and Drinkwater. Like, what other top team wanted Barkley or Drinkwater? I don't think anybody wanted Drinkwater. Chelsea water. have essentially become Tottenham in the transfer window. Like, that's the type of players that they're signing. Like, only Tottenham would sign players like that. Um, and now they're being linked with Andy Carroll. Like, like what the fuck has happened to this club? <laughs> like, how do you go from... Champ- like, it's, it's as if this Conte has been, like, punished for overachieving with the squad he had last season yeah he's expected oh well this will do you you, you, the same kind of squad this season so automatically you're going to compete on four fronts like and I said I said earlier with the Sanchez stuff I think it's just a smokescreen for the club to hide their inadequate work in the transfer market and like this this won't work because if Conte is forced out like I don't think he'll be sacked but I think it'll it'll come out that he'll just like leave it'll be a sort of a mutual agreement but like if he leaves like where did Chelsea go like all the other clubs have Bar Arsenal, which I already count Arsenal, and I'm not only going to count Arsenal in the top six conversation because they're like far behind everybody else. But Spurs, Liverpool, City, and to an extent United, but then that's kind of always open to debate. Mourinho, like whether he'll stay or not. But the other three clubs all have managers in place who are going to be there for the long term and have, are building something. Yeah. And you can see like Spurs are making progress now. Granted, they don't have the budget the other sides have, so that'll always count against them. But Liverpool and City in particular have like clear you can see where they're going as teams and like even Liverpool like look at the players Liverpool are signing yeah I was going to say they've been so proactive and Chelsea like Chelsea 
that's Yank competing with these sides, like which they should be. I would just say as well on United, it looks like um, this is Andy Mitten, who's a fairly respectable United source, is reporting that Mourinho's about to sign a contract extension. So that would be beyond another three years beyond 2019. So it looks like he's going to be there for at least another four years. Which I, and again that gives whatever about style or you know anything like that. It gives a level of stability that yeah. I think Jesse yeah. are woefully lacking. Yeah, and there just, just doesn't seem to be any. There doesn't seem to be any. You know. Any concern from the club to allow a, man, a manager, a coach of the quality of Conte leave? It's as if they just think, oh, well, we just we'll just get somebody else in. But like, it's, at this point, you're gonna just look at it and think, like, well, what elite manager is gonna want to join Chelsea when mm. a they know that their spell there will be futile and short, and b they know that the club aren't backing the coach anymore with like players of high enough standard, like. And then you've got like Courtois and Hazard, like arguably, well, Courtois is arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Hazard is clearly Chelsea's best player. Like he's probably Chelsea's only elite attacking player. Both of them haven't signed contracts yet. So if they leave, where did Chelsea go from mm. there? This was a conversation that came up like way early at the start of this season, I think it was, when we were trying to talk about Chelsea and their efforts to sort of balance the books. They basically don't want to to spend more but that doesn't really seem to yeah, be but it's balancing the books but then, but then you're spending like 30 million on Danny Drinkwater like Danny Drinkwater yeah. <laughs> like come on this is, like well, you're better like what's the point This is it's just so confusing because what's the point of the youth academy right if you just have the youth academy to loan out like Loftus-Cheek to get rid of Shalaba who would be performing the exact same role as Drinkwater inside except the only difference is he's academy produced and probably wouldn't be earning the money that Drinkwater's earning mm-hmm. you're basically pissing money down the drain for average overpriced English players who nobody else in the top echelon of the league wants and if you want to if, it, if it's a concern that they don't have the homegrown players put the fucking academy players in the squad there's plenty of them like English born academy players who you can put in your squad in fact you don't even need them to be English once they're academy graduates it kind of that's oh, yeah, counts so, yeah. Years yeah. And, so yeah. put them in the fucking squad stop signing bang average <laughs> Overpriced. The Barkley one I find I find really bizarre. I don't especially I given off the cheeks form. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. like off the cheek is already a better player than Barkley in my opinion. In that he plays the same, the same position. He's four years younger. Yeah, Chelsea are. It's as if they're just doing it because he might go to Spurs. Like this is so, it's so timpa. Mm. It's ridiculously timpa. It's like it's, I just don't get it, and I honestly don't know where Chelsea will go if like who's who's going to come in next. There's like talk of. That bring Ancelotti back, but like Ancelotti doesn't work well and it's in, in like turmoil. Ancelotti comes in when a club is he comes in when a club has a, has a set team and he does really well with those players. But he's not a man to come in and like revolutionise what's going on. And then like just maybe just you could I suppose someone like Thomas Tuchel would be a good shout. But like at the same time, again, what benefit is to him if he yeah. doesn't like? If he goes to Chelsea, and realistically, you're gonna have to. If you go to Chelsea, you have to succeed in the first season. And if you don't succeed in the first season, you're gone. First few months. Yeah, and he they're not going to. Con- Remember the Conte yeah. thing? He was, what two months in the yeah. job? He was basically yeah, there, but like, the goal, if you're yeah. if you're like someone like that and you come into Chelsea next season, you've fucking no chance unless yeah. Chelsea start investing in players like players of a sufficient quality. They're not going to compete with City. They're not even going to compete with. They're not going to compete with City. They're not going to compete with United. They're not even going to compete with Liverpool. No, Tottenham. especially with their transplant. Yeah, the big thing I, I thought that the coach was ideal for either Arsenal, who look like they're going to have a new coach in, in the near future, or Chelsea is Leandro Hardim at, um, mm. at Monaco. I think yeah. he's ideal for both those roles. The problem is that he seems to need time to, to get his results, which is fine, which is a 
the yeah. work for Chelsea. Yeah, but this is it. You know, and it also, might work at Arsenal, but... Yeah. And this, this is also, like, <laughs> with Chelsea, like, if you're... Like, how has it got the... This is, again, in a damning indictment of Mourinho, because look at the players around the league who are lighting it up. Mohamed Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, and Chelsea are stuck with fucking William, yeah. a player who literally all he can do is step over, go on the outside and whip across in. And he can hit like a decent free kick every now and then. He's useless by comparison to those players. He's not even the same like ballpark talent mm. boys. And Mourinho allowed, willingly allowed these lads go because oh they weren't ready. They had required some development in time. I suppose you could say Lukaku too. Yeah, but like oh, Chelsea. Yeah, like but yeah, yeah, I guess so. But like I wouldn't. Class, I don't think uh, Lukaku is better than Morata. I think they're mm. quite comparable. So it's not as if. They've, they've lost out too much there but the other two were like just glaring like can you imagine how good can you imagine how good Chelsea's team would be with even one of Salah or De Bruyne alongside Hazard to take the weight off Hazard like just ridiculous I, I don't, don't get the, the, the switch to the three five one one. do you think I, I think it's left them very very know, limited is, is it a formation that's the problem or is it this woeful form of Morata without any sort of possible replacements and that now the muted replacement is Andy Carroll I mean <sighs> The, like you mentioned Ancelotti's team Ancelotti by and large played one up front when he was at Chelsea yeah. but he had Drogba who was just a goal scoring machine mm. and th- he took a huge amount of the stack there and that's like if you look at their even despite their relatively patchy form of late if you look at their respective goals they're huge it's just the fact that Morata cannot finish he, yeah. and he, he just and maybe it's just a slump and he comes out of it and it helps but right now the like at the weekends you know they looked ultra defensive and then you look at it and it's like Morata should have scored at least three times there like he does like the thing about Morata I said this last week but like Morata has every like he has every like every desirable tool tool for a centre forward he is probably he's probably better in nearly every area than Diego Costa but he doesn't have that like killer instinct that Costa has or that Drogba had like you could argue that Morata even at this age is like far far more talented and clever in the way he plays than either Drogba or Costa but he doesn't have like the killer instinct that they had that like one titles. And I don't the know if, between this season and last season. Yeah. really, when you think about well, it, Costa, it's, it's not Chelsea being more yeah. negative than last season. It's just the case, like you say, of yeah. like in the first Chelsea. half of last season, Costa scored eight goals, which was which were winners. Yeah. Um, no, I think Morata still scored like four or five winners himself. But like that's the thing, Costa would win you game if you weren't playing well, mm. or if you were struggling to break a side down. Costa would get you the goal, which Morata doesn't do. At this moment in time. Yeah. Well, like I, I think uh, like Miguel Delaney had a piece saying that like. Conte thinks he can get it out of him but like if Conte goes like what are you going to do just like oh grand so I've in Morata he's probably thinking oh well I, I came here to work with Conte he's now gone uh, what if the next guy in doesn't like me and this is the, again this is, this is the fucking problem yeah. like if you if you develop a culture at a club like this where everybody is disposable uh well, particularly where, where the coach is just disposable and there's no like long-term vision, then this is what's going to happen. It can't succeed. Like I know Chelsea have like won a ridiculous amount of trophies over the last like decade, but I just can't see it succeeding like again for the next decade if this keeps yeah. happening. And then Real Madrid, another club with a problem. Another bigger, club in turmoil, crisis, bigger problems than Chelsea. I think is is fair to say. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean it's the like what is the problem at Madrid is the, I mean. It kind of ties into this thing of them selling Morata. Actually, it's the the issue when you try and develop, you know, stars, not a system, and it it goes back to like if it seems kind of you know contrived to put it all back to Perez. But when you look at 
Like Jimmy, I, I'm very wary of the fact that Alan Dunn is quoting books on this show. But <laughs> Jimmy Berners book it. called <laughs> the Real Deal. The Real Deal is a super book about Madrid. It's a, but it centres on the Beckham deal, and it looks at Perez in '03 when he's lobbying for these votes, and he promises either I'll spend eight million to knock off the ticket prices, or I'll get you Figo. I'm going to get you Figo. He gets elected, and then all of a sudden he gets Zidane, Ronaldo, Figo, and then the worst thing he does after that is gets rid of Del Bosque and brings in uh, Carlos Quivers. And he does that because the reasons that he does that move, like he openly boasts about the fact that he was making big signs, but ticket sales were going up, their revenue was going up, they were breaking into global markets. So he brings in Quivers because he says, this guy's worked with Beckham, so he'll make that transition easier. And he's worked in the US, so we can break into global markets. But the one consideration he does not have is football. The fact that this is a really defensive manager. And it's the same thing. Like So... He go. He sacks him after like ten months when they finished. I think they finished fifth. That was the year Valencia won it. I mean, he might have finished fourth or fifth, they, but they bombed them out after ten months. And it's just the same cycle. We'll bu- so a couple of years later, we we'll buy up as much talent as we can, and then it fails. And they do. And right now, you're seeing the same indictment that. But there's no, like, there's no set system. It's the problem. Kind of going back to that Javi interview. I hate to give him any sort of points, but he did have kind of a point in the idea that. Madrid don't really value any sort of philosophy in terms of actual play. They value work ethic and mm. work rate and you know banging in goals. And exactly, yeah. yeah. But then that is hinging on the fact that you've got you know like these star players. But there's no real overarching system, so they're like they're still playing a four-two-three at the minute. But because Isco is totally out of form, they've the same way actually that they did with Carreras when they bombed out the likes of Makalele. They've bombed out you know any sort of squad depth so Morata's gone Pepe's gone yeah. loud as I am to give you credit Rob you did make this point in the start <laughs> of the season we were all honestly we were all predicting like you know third success of Champions League another league title who can stop Real Madrid and Rob was like no nah, well they've got rid well, of Pepe and and they, they lost now Hamas Rodriguez who's their top assist squ- uh, maker I suppose is the right term yeah. in the league and then Morata was the, I think their second top scorer in the league hmm. They're missing that but big it's, time. It's feasible that they bounce right back next year because this summer they could well buy like a, like it's potential that they might buy Hazard, they might buy Kane, Neymar. All mm. these players have been linked. They're still going to win the Champions League, though. So uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this too many times before <laughs> to write Madrid. I off. think it's it's significantly worse. Yeah. That's that's the only thing I'd say. Well, I'd, I mean, if you watch the Villarreal game, that was if anybody. This was one of the weirdest games to watch. Like, if you watch it in its entirety, especially, I'm sure you could find highlights of this game. But the first 40 minutes, the chances Madrid had, like, I know it sounds weird, but they're really good chances that they should be finished. Like, Ronaldo is a one-on-one that he's a slight nudge that's gone over. They probably could have had two penalties. Like, their their chances are there. But then, eventually, a a team comes along in which they pack players behind the ball for Villarreal do, so uh, Rivola, and all of a sudden... They just can't break him down. So it's Casemiro taking pot shots from 40 yards. This, this is what uh, Tony Cruz said, wasn't it, when he tweeted uh, the weekend. Oh, yeah. Anybody who, who who watched this game and didn't think that we were knows the better nothing, team yeah. knows nothing about football. Which is quite <laughs> rich coming from a man who thinks that Robbie Williams is the greatest artist in the world. <laughs> what is the story with I Tony Cruz? I don't know. Cruz? It's so weird. <laughs> he loves the darts and Robbie Williams. Yeah. What? Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But he, maybe he just has a long lost relative from Stoke on Trent. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is really strange. I mean, I've seen, uh, I follow a few guys, uh, like to Darren McCorrigan, Kieran Canning and stuff, um, and they've kind of said that with Madrid managers, the minute they start trying to blame the media, you know, they're in big trouble. And it's the first time I've seen Zidane do anything, not, not blame the media such, but suggest that they're not getting fair treatment. And but, but You make a fair point there, though, that, that they're not necessarily playing badly. Uh, just, but, and Zidane comes out afterwards and says, you know, the ball's just not going in. Um, you know, we're playing well, the ball's just not going in. But there's things you can do to change that. You can like you can make tactical changes so that you can break down teams easier, or you can mm. pull a team wider, or stop playing, you know, 
Bale and Ronaldo with Isco through the middle. Like you can make tactical changes to that. The problem is he's relying on these star players to dig themselves out of a hole. But if you know there was some sort of change in the system or they start trying stop you know with a slow build up and trying to play back wide or play with more wide players, that might be an alternative. And the problem is that Madrid are just relying on these star players. And the yeah. same thing's gonna happen next. Like they will no doubt invest in the summer mm-hmm. and will suffer a bounce after that. But it, it's gonna be peaks and valleys. They're kind of like an exorbitant version of David Moyes' Manchester United <laughs> yeah. where they just like whip aimless balls into the box <laughs> yeah it's it's. Uh, it, I do think it's kind of sad that like they are they are struggling like it's it's the first time in years they've lost back to back home games etc etc but the sort of the consensus is just like oh well Zidane's gone then mm. it's not like you know oh well maybe they'll see how it goes because he's been you know really successful in a short period of time but it's kind of just this consensus media fans whatever it's just kind of like who do you reckon they'll get in the summer then yeah. you know it's kind of oh alright but if yeah. you're not gonna, like, well, for, uh, Villarreal are a good side as well. Yeah. They've got um, uh, the AC Milan strikers on Carlos Baca, who's yeah. it looks sensational this year for them. It's funny it's you it, should like, say that, Morris. <laughs> that's been a contentious issue for seasons on the final. Yeah, yeah and, and <laughs> I think that's why he was bombed out of Milan because yeah. of. Um, but yeah, no, there's no doubt he's going to regress to the mean again next year. But right now he looks like a quality player. Oh, so, yes. I mean, they're like yeah. they're points. Are they point off Madrid right now? Hmm. They're, they're, they're yeah. having a Madrid are eight points off Valencia in third. Yeah, it's just yeah. mental it's crazy it's but just it, La Liga is a two team league Rob. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not even been like a, a bad it's just kind of been a, a, a non-season as such in that there's just been so many results where you're kind of like oof, well, two is that, points it's, drop it's three points it's drop very, you know? like, I know you're upset as a joke but I mean like there is there's a good chance that they just invest all in Champions League like that they this champ, that they the La Liga yeah. written off in December and go for broke in, like that is that would not surprise me a lot of their players are better or at least put up better well, numbers Ronaldo's, and performances. Ronaldo in the scored four goals in the league this season, and he scored eight in the Champions League. Yeah, in, yeah, it's 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ronaldo literally offers nothing to the team anymore, apart from like he, this fact that he still scores a ridiculous amount of goals in the Champions League. Because like he's like Ronaldo's. I've watched Real Madrid various times this season. Ronaldo has been abysmal. Yeah, like he has been absolutely atrocious. But yeah, you just know like when the knockout stage of Champions League comes, he'll be there. He'll deliver. Yeah. Mind that doesn't justify playing week in week out. No. There's no need for it. Well, there's like, a reason why he plays Morris week in week out. It's, it's who, who's got the power yeah. there? Yeah, well, like Morris was saying, like there is, there are ways that you can change what's going on, and it's not just relying on the same guys who aren't necessarily delivering. Um, not just one. But, but, but what's the like? What's the alternative? Like you, you probably need to drop Isco before you drop Ronaldo. And who do you mean? I said, even if they had somebody like when Hernandez was there, he actually picked up a bit of slack and used to. Like, finished which was all he could do with them but that's mm. what he did Murata last year did it as well now that Benzema's injured like they've it, it comes down to a stage where the fact that you can't actually rotate your squad that they like Galacticos is star 11 and then outside that is a, a big drop off and then the problem is that at the summer they just buy in like they just cultivate another couple of star players and I'm like Bale can't play two games in a row <laughs> no it's just really he's a physically yeah. yeah yeah physically shot it's a strange one. Anywho, that's the end of the uh, any uh, end of the issues. Have any of you learned anything interesting this week? Um, I just learned it's pretty sad that uh, that Arsenal were reading from the Cranberries died. Uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I associated a lot of their tunes with my childhood. Hmm. Pretty sudden as well. Yeah. There you go. Anywho, that's all the issues done. Um, if you have anything to say about the points raised in the show, you can get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter at the final underscore third. Shoot an email to us, to us, editor at the final third podcast.net as well. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for the interaction we got this week as well from, from two people. They were good questions. Um, lads, goodbye. Thanks for being back next week. Bye.